Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the show that explores your granddad's favorite show to explain why no one talks to him anymore. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the that other. was so mean. <laughs> was... <laughs> why? Really, Bernie, what alienated P-Pop? We're going to dig down to the root and find out it's not your fault. It dates back to pre-QAnon. Man. I just came out of the gate on that one. I'm working through some stuff. Yeah, fuck all of your grandpas. Let's just put that on record. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts. I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the other host. I'm Dan Ludwig. You okay? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> oh, it's a dark period for everybody. So we are we are your hosts. This is a show that's about old television, specifically the Andy Griffith show. Uh, and before we launch into today's episode, or maybe episodes if we do a twofer, uh, I want to do a little house cleaning. I want to give a big thank you to Apple Podcast user Jazzmaster, and I said it that way because there are like six Z's. I was gonna say, you sure you got the right amount of Z's on that? Yeah, I think that was that was the correct amount of Z's. Uh, who writes? Love this podcast. These guys are outrageous and extremely hilarious. They offer pretty insightful opinions on sociological issues as well, but the way they do it is way out there, and the running gags keep getting funnier and funnier. So really high praise from Jazz Master, uh, and I really appreciate it. Thanks for leaving that review, uh, and I want to point out, so Jazz, I'm not going to do that every time, uh, they left this review uh, on the 19th of January. Uh, and when we say when you that you leave, if you leave ratings and reviews, it helps boost us and helps get other our uh, voices in other people's ears. This is true. So they left that review on the nineteenth, the week after uh, our downloads for our most recent episode doubled. Yeah, uh, which is pretty impressive considering we didn't put out any new content during that time. So one goal of this was uh, to praise jazz. The other one was shame. Which we want to put on all of you who are not helping us enough. That's really, it's like 5% praise, 95% shame. It was, it was Oh, sorry, 90% shame. The other five is making us feel good about ourselves before we go into this episode. It's like us hyping ourselves up. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're being our own Flava Flaves. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I just wanted to present that as data. Take that for data. When we say that, we, it, it really does have a direct cause and effect kind of thing going on yeah. so thanks jazz <laughs> all right we're gonna get into the stuff marty and tell me about something i want to tell you about a recent weird event in my life so this is actually fucking yesterday i have a dog now i'm one of those people that talks excessively about their dogs because especially in quarantine he's essentially my entire life um i tell stories about my dogs half the time people wish i shut up then please yeah please, please record this Right after we ask people to help us out and review us. So we got... It's got to be a damn fine dog story, Daniel. It's, bar- it's not really about my dog. So we got a camera, like one of those cameras that like, so, so I can leave my house. Like it watches the apartment. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And like dispenses treats to keep him from freaking out. Um, and it monitors the house for us. So as you can imagine, the conversation 
uh, about the camera almost immediately veered into talking about ghosts because we were like watching the video and my girlfriend is absolutely positive that she saw a floating white orb in the night vision. So then it we had to go through the city records of our apartment to make sure that no one had been brutally murdered on our floor. Um, essentially going through the entire possibility of whether or not, you know, we were haunted. Because, I mean, what suggests that you are about to get haunted more than getting a night vision camera that is running in your house on a regular basis? It's basically like setting up a lightning rod. You're kind of asking for it at that point. Basically. And, like... (laughs) It would be great if the next Paranormal Activity movie was shown entirely through, like, a dog camera or, like, one of those ring, uh, like, camera doorbells. So, like, it's it's a haunting and all of the, like, furniture's being stacked and the pans are dropping and shit. But it's all at, like, crotch level. Yeah. You just, you just get to watch, like, like demon feet crawl around a little bit. And then every once in a while, a Scooby snack just dispenses <laughs> yeah. in front of the camera for 90 minutes. Well, it only activates when my dog is up to some shit. So, like, we catch a ghost on it. Like, a, a demon woman, like, skitters through our living room. And the paranormal investigators have to sift through, like, 45 hours of my dog thinking about starting shit. <laughs> It's just a basset hound sniffing itself for the first 40 minutes of the movie. Just two fucking guys, like, peering through footage, just being like, was that a ghost? No, he's fucking with a plastic bag. He got into a bag. All right, I guess we gotta keep going. Like, but immediately, the reaction was like, her reaction was horror. She was like, we're 100% gonna get haunted as a result of this. And mine was like, I fucking wish... That I could turn my dog camera into essentially a brick of solid gold. Uh, just like auctioning it off for the highest bidder. Even if just like one vaguely ghosty thing happens. I just wanted to get like one thing in the wall where it kind of looks like a woman's screaming face. And then I can just sell it off. Alright, so we're doing probably two episodes today. Um, one of which is fine and the other is... The dullest 25 (laughs) minutes I have ever experienced. It is like the anti-life equation (laughs) of television. It's like Andy Griffith reached out through the TV and just forced Ambien into my mouth. Like, (laughs) Like, it is, it was, I, the second episode of TV, I counted how many times i paused it to watch a video on twitter and it was like six i kept like looking up and be like oh damn it i have to hit play on this bullshit again uh so let's go ahead and let's talk about the one that isn't that first let's talk about the one that inspired a fe- like season one level fury in me yeah all right all right let's let's do let's do this uh we're, we're not going to do episode two we've got some special guests for that one uh for next week so we're starting with season four, episode three. Ernest T. Bass joins the army. That's right, Ernest T. Bass is back. It's original. It's about as bad as the title makes it sound. Arguably worse. Originally airs October fourteenth, nineteen sixty-three. Written by Jim Fretzel and Everett Greenbaum, and directed by Dick Crenna. Here is your one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Ernest T. Bass tries to enlist in the army so he can get a uniform to impress his girlfriend, but when he's rejected, he takes it out on Mayberry, a 
okay, first off, that's factually inaccurate. Yeah. Uh, he he doesn't have this. This sentence implies that he has a girlfriend to impress. He claims at the end that there are a number of girls who would go with him if he had a uniform, but he does not actually have one in his, for lack of a better word, possession no. at the beginning of this. So just want to clarify that. It's, it's, there is not a Mrs. Bass <laughs> at the beginning of this episode, in case you were worried. No, he has a collection of women that he intends to harass using a, using a military uniform. Yeah, correct. And to be clear, there is some sense of uh, continuity in this episode, right? The worst uh, kind. The worst kind. And of course, like now, this is what the Andy Griffith show chooses to have internal consistency on. Sins of the past. Yeah. Oh, my God. I This fucking goblin man. I hate him so. He is simultaneously the worst and best character because he is designed in a lab by Nazi scientists to <laughs> piss me off. Like every aspect of him was like carved out by a laser to just make me want to punch a wall. I'm glad you feel the same way. Towards the end of this episode, I came up with some realizations about Ernesty Bass that we'll get into that makes him kind of the best character on the show. Mm-hmm. So this episode starts off really weird and mean. Yeah. And just, and just <laughs> sexist. And it's even even before Ernest E. Bass shows up, the first eight minutes of this episode are just Andy and Barney sitting in a car talking about how fat and ugly women are. It, so it it's just a sharp, <laughs> cold cock to the nose of an episode opener. Because it's basically Barney just going, Hey, you want to get lunch? No, I'm not hungry yet. Oh, uh, look at that woman. She used to be so fat. She used to be a big old fat piece of shit. <laughs> like, and, like, literally, he's, like, Andy just goes, like, Hi, Miss Duvier. And Barney's like, Oh, she lost weight. Yeah, she did. She used to be fat as hell. Like it's it's like it's like he's doing a Rodney Dangerfield bit, but he never gets to the how fat was she? It's just like him saying, "Yeah, that woman is fat." <laughs> yeah, but no respect, no respect at all. How fat was she? Well, you know, women get fat when they get married. Like that's the punchline. It's just him being like, and actually, it's all of them. You know. Yeah, and, <laughs> and and then it's the next one is just like, ah, oh, that. There's that woman. She's super ugly. Her her husband's ugly too. But I mean, it's it's worse for a woman to be ugly. It's just we're not making this. We're not exaggerating. This is basically what our heroes spend the opening credits doing. Which uh, Barney is like, oh look at her. She has a face like homemade soap. And Handy's like, huh, yeah. But is but her husband's ugly too. And he's like, yeah, but that's okay. Like and and and, and in between, Barney keeps asking to get some lunch. Yeah. Uh, it did remind me, once again, of Hot Fuzz. It did remind me a lot yeah. of the scenes in Hot Fuzz where Nick Frost is trying to get convince Simon Pegg to go to the shop. Mm. Or where they're, they're, they're sitting in the car, like, checking out people on the street. And then Nick Frost goes, shop? Shop? Can we go to the shop? The yeah. Pub? Yeah. But with, uh, with much more cruel shit talking. Just so mean. He makes fun of a guy for having false teeth, but not admitting he has false teeth. You know that thing you would totally want to tell everybody that you have that you had to have like your teeth removed? He's like, that son of a bitch, that piece of shit. He has false teeth and he won't fucking admit it. And then the the punchline, the joke of this scene is uh Barney sees a woman and he's like, Oh, that's Viola Slat. We gotta get out of here. She's the worst gossip in town. <laughs> if she'll tell us about it. Womp, womp, yeah. womp. 
You did an entire episode about this earlier in season one, and it was way better. Yeah. And way less mean. <laughs> Just the abject cruelty is shocking. Like. <laughs> anyway, so they, they're driving down the street, and they pull up to what, maybe it's like a high school gym. Or it, 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 it's the recruiter's office. It's where people are lining up to go into the army. And there's a big fight. There's yeah. a brawl of people just like hot, like boys beating each other up. Um, and Barney and Andy get out and they pull each other apart or pull, pull everyone apart. And they realize Ernest T. Bass is in the center there. And they're just wailing on Ernest T. Bass. And to be honest, like the best thing to do at that point would be like, oh, sorry, gentlemen. Continue. Have at it. Please. <laughs> so, so a brief refresher for people who listen to the show that blocked that episode out. Um, Ernest T. Bass is a little mountain man. He is a tiny demonic goblin. He speaks in riddles and rhymes. He is armed and he likes to throw rocks at things. And he is actively belligerent. He's like if Daffy Duck was bigoted. He's like if Daffy Duck wanted <laughs> people to not have rights. Like, and, 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 and to be clear, like, None of this is what Dan and I really have a problem with. What the problem we have is that, like, this show thinks it's hilarious how, for lack of a better term, how sexual assaulty yeah. this dude is. How? Like, like the, most of the gags are like, haha, he won't leave women alone. And when they reject him, he terrorizes their families <laughs> and, and breaks things in their house. Yeah. Haha, he's Ernest that wildly Ernest, he bass. He's kidnapping a woman and dragging her into the woods. He's a belligerent, violent sex pest. <laughs> Look, he's whimsical. Oh my god. He's like Tom Bombadil, except he doesn't respect boundaries. Whee! Oh, off he goes on his little umbrella to violate a restraining order. Oh, he jumped out of a bucket and he's stabbing a person. Like, he's just this horrific little creature. Uh, but yeah, so he's... Fucking, he, like, incel Mr. McPixley. <laughs> yeah, he's like the proto-4chan. He is, like, he is everything that 4chan endeavors to be in this world. Ernesty Ernesty is lining up to join the army with all of these young men. Who? Where the fuck are these young men coming from? We've never... This is the first time we've seen, like, a teenage boy... A young man in Mayberry since since the season one, and apparently there's enough of them to line up around the block to go to Vietnam. Is this this was the question I had? Is there a war on at the airing of this episode? Is it Korea or Vietnam? There, there. So the Vietnam issue is escalating, and I think uh, we're not in it yet. The U.S. has not joined the Vietnam struggle yet. I think we we are going to within a year mm-hmm. at this point. So these boys have to know what like there's a chance yeah. where there's going. Um they're not like it, it's not like it has been in the past where they're like, "Oh, you join the military, you go hang out in a tank, you get to see the world." It's like they're joining the military and we need bodies. Like it is there was definitely a more ominous air of like why kids are joining the military and they try to make it fun like come on kids join the army go die in a foreign country and so not only by the way is this the first time i think we've seen young men on the show for seasons it's also the first time we've seen 
black men yeah. since, since season one. And I will just let you piece that together what you will. Yeah. The first time we see black men is lining up to join the army. Yeah. It... I'm just going to let you piece that together and fill in what you think we're going to say. It does... It does kind of send like the 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 weird message that like you you become you you are Opie and then you turn eighteen and they're just like well off to the military with you come back later come back when you have PTSD and want to run a farm <laughs> like it's just they're like well I want to explore my life and be in the town they're like nope 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 this is a town for young girls and creepy old men get out of here youth <laughs> go go fight like they, they're just like get the fuck I, out I of here i guess that makes sense right that's where they ship them all off to yeah because the popular <laughs> the population of of mayberry is exclusively like 23 year old women and floyd like that's <laughs> it yeah no i i guess i guess that i'm answering my own question you know i've been wondering like where are all of these young men and the answer is they are all in line yeah. every single scene of the andy griffith show just know that a block over, there's a line of, of 17 to 23-year-old able-bodied men lining up to die. And one of them, like, will try to, like, sidle off and get a job at the grocery store, and Barney's just like, get back in nope, there! Nope, yeah, nope, yeah. nope, 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 You know po- where you're supposed to go. <laughs> just poking them with a stick, like, I see you, I see you, Jimmy, get back in that line! You got killing to do! We all gotta serve. <laughs> I mean, not me, I, I served on Staten Island as a librarian, but, you know, still, still did it. We all uh, went to World War II, and we turned out great. Just all of us <laughs> turned out fantastic. Go have fun out there. So great, we named our entire generation over after how great we are. <laughs> okay, folks. So, uh, Andy tells the recruiter, who, by the way, is that same guy who's played every single dirtbag, every single gangster. <laughs> like This is like the 12th time he's been on the show in a different role. Uh, he's just a like, human slab of concrete with a mouth like, on it. <laughs> hey, man, you don't want to take this guy in in the army, like, and they and there's continuity. They say what he's done. They say that you know he's broken every window in the house after a girl rejected him, and then he tried to kidnap the girl. Actually, he didn't kidnap the girl. He kidnapped Barney and drag, but whatever. Well, but, uh, but one one weird little editorial is they say he was going with a girl and then she married another guy and he freaked out and broke everything in her house. She was not going with him. No. Yeah. No, he was just a dude who showed up at the house and was like, give me that daughter. I want her. Give her to me. I'll con- I'll commit like regular acts of vandalism until you give her to me. And yeah, much, like, much like the Wikipedia editor. They later retcon and assign relations to this, uh, assign propriety to this relationship that was not there. Well, I like to think that that wasn't a story retcon. That was just Andy being a piece of shit. Where he was <laughs> Fair just, enough. He was just like, oh, well, you know, I'm pretty sure they were dating or something. I've kind of forgotten the whole thing. I think he had like a good point, but things kind of got out of that hand. That episode is so much better if you just think that Andy was only like 40% paying attention to the <laughs> entire time yeah. that explains so much he's just like looking up and he'd be like what's going on here we got some sort of uh some some sort of lover's quarrel is are, are things just kind of slightly askew what what are we at a bar mitzvah what's going on i hear him breaking glass <laughs> it's so but then they make the case they're basically like okay this guy is actively dangerous he is crazy he is unhinged and the recruiter is just like 
Cool. Awesome. Sounds like he's got spunk and gumption. Do you think we break glass at bar mitzvahs? I'm thinking weddings. I've, it's weddings. It's, it's weddings. weddings. It's weddings. Do you, do, do you think that that we Jews just break glass every time we get excited about something? As do a, you think that I'm not allowed to own mirrors or something? <laughs> I, <laughs> Honestly, that that would explain a lot, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> why? Why history's gone the way it's gone? <laughs> if, so, so, so if you've got forty years of wandering the desert, that's what. Five, five point, five and a half mirrors that you broke. <laughs> you had, you had five parties. You broke five, five mirrors, and uh, we're just gonna round up to forty. There you go. Let me, let me, let me uh, do do this approach as a goy. Uh, if I had sort of the run of things that you guys had, I'd want to break shit a lot. I'd Fair probably, <laughs> I'd probably be in the mood to break. I'd be breaking glass at every conceivable opportunity. Fair enough. <laughs> Is that gonna get All me right. in trouble? <laughs> No, that's very funny. <laughs> yeah. I'm keeping all of that. <laughs> so, uh, like, so, anyway, he's the recruiter is like, I don't give a shit if this guy's crazy or not. We're the U.S. Army. We will take literally anybody. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's, they're specifically like, he. this dude is not fit to carry a weapon. And he's like, oh, he's just what we're fucking looking for. Hell yeah. We can just throw him into a situation like a grenade. Look. <laughs> Uh, let, let's just break this down. Uh, Andy and Barney tell the recruiter that he this is a man who has tried to kidnap a woman and has terrorized her family and has committed like acts of reckless vandalism. And this guy's problem is, yeah, well, he cut in line. Yeah. <laughs> Get to the back of the line, buddy. <laughs> the whole thing has such like omen like this is a war crime waiting to happen. He is going to become a rhyming version of the door gunner from uh from Full Metal Jacket. Just like <laughs> how are you going to kill women, women, children? Well, I'll tell you what, Butch, you just don't lead him as much. Like he's going to flamethrower down an entire village like twenty seconds in. The the scene of him like inside the uh, the hospital getting his physical reminded me a lot of Alice's Restaurant, the song by Arlo Guthrie where he talks about like going to enroll and going to enroll in the army and not being able to because of a, a littering fine on his record. I don't. I guess. I guess his reference is falling flat. Falling flat. But for all of the baby boomers that are listening to this and getting you know angrier and angrier, Arlo Guthrie. Big fan, fan of that dude. <laughs> you know, like um, how they do the spinoff of Gomer Pyle, United States Marine Corps. Yeah. They would do. They're gonna have to do that for Ernest T. Bass, but it's like Ernest, you keep <laughs> violating the Geneva Convention. We're not even out of boot camp yet. How did you blow up a fishing village? Like, wee! and then he just clicks his heels and is off. <laughs> We don't need to go through all of the antics, but basically during his physical, Ernest T does antics bullshit. Like, uh, I, I will say this: they're good antics. They're, they're pretty funny. Yeah, right? there's like a bit. He does a hearing. We can't even describe them because it won't be good. Like he does some just, stuff just, with a hearing test. Just Ooh. go and watch. just go and watch this scene. Uh, there was one point though where the doctor has to look into Ernest T. Bass's mouth, uh, to like check his teeth and everything. And my immediate thought was, that must smell so Jesus. bad. Like I gagged in my. 
Uh, but he, there's, a, there's, some, there's some good bits. Uh, he when during during the hearing test, he follows the doctor around so he never gets further away. That doctor one hundred percent got tetanus from this interaction. Like <laughs> he lost a finger. Like it just turned black and fell off a month later. Uh. Anyway, we can kind of skip over that scene. It, it, we have to skip over the stuff because it's it's good. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, the... He finally does get turned down. He gets turned down. The army says we're not gonna we're not gonna bring you on. Uh, that and... sheriff was right. And then he goes on what I can only describe as a supervillain reign. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he says I'm gonna get you, and I'm gonna get that sheriff. I'm going to have a reign of terror. I'm gonna get all of you. He's basically just like this whole town's gonna burn. <laughs> yeah. And the show is just like, well, let him leave. Goodbye, dangerous lunatic that just established very clearly that he wants to uh, annihilate this town. And for the rest of the episode, this is a Batman episode. <laughs> yes. right? like somebody, I think, I think it was Grant from uh, from Chip and Ironicus that pointed out that Ernest T. Bass is the perfect foil, the perfect villain for this show. All of Andy's stuff does not work. He cannot be bargained with he cannot be bought his motivations are unclear at any given (laughs) moment right uh he this episode posits that he might have magical powers yeah he's operating on a logic that is simultaneously like childlike but also a fucking supercomputer like he is working on so many different levels simultaneously that you can't understand what the fuck he's talking about half the time He's like Judge Holden from Blood Meridian. Like, he is a force of nature that you either get out of the way of or are overcome by. And he's not only willing, he is happy to use force. Yeah. So none of none of Andy's shit works against this. He is effectively the Joker. Yes. Like, we live in a society. <laughs> <laughs> society easy peasy. Like, if... If you took Ernest T. Bass and dropped him in Zack Snyder Batman universe, he would ruin it all. They'd be, he would destroy. Like, be like, uh, like Joker, I want to talk to you about philosophy and God. And he'd just be like, teehee, I'm off. I blew up your entire city. Wink. And then just like poofs into a, a cloud of dust. Like, he, he he's he's unstoppable. You cannot stop Ernest T. Bass. And yeah, for for the entire rest of this episode, it's basically Andy is Batman, uh, Barney is Robin, and they are chasing after the Joker. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't I can't stress this enough. So if he's it wasn't like, so- I'm gonna get all of you. <laughs> it's simultaneously the worst and best thing ever because there's no like there's no rising action or falling action. It's Ernest T. Bass rampage he's just on a fucking rampage <laughs> end of episode <laughs> so uh they, they they come back to the jail where um they they have to like andy griffith the thing up a bit by talking about lunch and how good their lunch was and how they accidentally tipped the waitress too much and like oh well i guess that's good that we tipped her too much well that was three minutes that we killed on to the next thing. They literally just talk forever about whether or not they left too much of a tip. Yeah. Uh, because Andy left a quarter and Barney left a quarter. And so both of them thought that they had covered the other. And then Barney says, maybe we should go back. And Andy's like, no, nah, just let her have the quarter. And Barney goes, yeah, we should just let her have the quarter. A weird, like, like By the thing way, I felt after that scene was like, 
How fuck- can you imagine how cool it must have felt to be able to pay for an entire meal with a coin? Just be like, oh, thanks for the sandwich. Click. All right, I'm gonna leave. By the way, according to the ultra-reliable Mayberry Wiki, it was like- it was a large tip, but not like a ridiculous amount. Uh, it was a, like, a lunch total of a dollar sixty. Mm. Uh, I don't know, I don't know where they got that figure from, but that would make this, and they calculated out, a 31% tip. That's nothing! Yeah. That's nothing! That's slightly good service. Um, so then the episode starts back up again. Um, the sergeant rolls in and just basically says, like, alright, so you were right. Ernest T. Bass is a monstrous piece of shit. I shouldn't have let him into the military. Just giving you a heads up, he's decided that he's going to ruin your entire life. Goodbye. <laughs> he yeah. specifically says, I wish I could help, but I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta leave. So I guess he's your problem now, bud. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna leave you to deal with this this issue that uh, I 100% caused. You told me. You warned me about, and, uh, bye. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but not really, because as soon as I turn around, all of this is gonna stop existing to me. I work for the military, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> if he'd just been slightly more orderly, he'd be shipping out right now. <laughs> I, I got quotas to meet. Yeah, basically, like, it's, I it's like, I... I heard that there were some 17-year-old boys having trouble making friends in the next town over, so, uh... <laughs> Bye! <laughs> I gotta go tell somebody that joining the military will solve all of their problems. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> like, oh, you're having trouble taking care of your mom? Yeah, join the military. That'll work out great for you. As they're talking about this, they get a, a windowgram from Ernest B, basically. <laughs> uh, and it's just like a rock through the window with a note tied to it, which had some weird meanings, some weird undertone in the 60s. Uh, yeah. But... And he picks it up, and he's basically, he basically Adam West this shit. He, like, looks it up, and he's just like, hmm, yes, chum? Question, what am I? I can be fish, or I can be musical instrument. What could I be? Like, Barney's yelling, a bass! <laughs> and then another brick just comes sailing through the window, just like, oh, oh fuck, right. this right, is right, happening, right, this is happening. Wrong, wrong show, wrong show, <laughs> shit. No, Damn they, 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 they get a note from Ernest E. Bass saying that he's going to break every window in the state. Like, I'll get you. Yeah. Uh, and they go outside, and, uh, like, 40 feet away, there's Ernest T. just cackling and jumping. Doing a little and- dance. <laughs> like, tee-hee, woo! Like, says some fucking rhymes, and then he's like, I'm gonna continue doing this! It's gonna be great! And he's like, he runs off, and Barney's like, should we, should we go should we get go him? chase him? Like- <laughs> and, and Andy's just like, no, no. Look at him go. He's a strange creature. Wow, what a nice humid day. And then he's just like, let's go back inside. And then and then Barney's like, they're inside and Barney's like, so he's going to continue his reign of terror. And Andy's like, maybe not. There's, yeah. He's not even like, no. He's like, there's a, there's a decent chance he won't. And then the phone just starts ringing and someone's like, he just broke a street lamp in front of my house. And Barney's like, all right, let's go to the street lamp. And Andy's like, no, nah. hold on, hold on. Let's see if he does it again. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing because he just, it's almost like he's got a map and he's just putting thumbtacks in where broken windows have happened. <laughs> and he's just like, what's the pattern here? But really he's just being lazy because he's like, nah, let's wait. And maybe he'll do it again closer to our house. <laughs> yeah, maybe I won't have to walk as far. <laughs> yeah. but, and then a lady is like, 
calls in. It's like, hey, he just threw a rock through my window. And he's like, all right, don't worry. We're on it. I just wanted her to be like, what do you mean you're fucking on it? Come over here. Like, as he's hanging up on her. And then he's like, all right, one more. And then they get another call. And he's like, all right, he just threw one through a hardware store window. And it's like, this is actual people's lives, you fuck. Like, that's a bunch of broken glass in a business. Like, there's probably, like, a bunch of, like, shards of glass in the side of a child's head. And he's just like, all right, let's see if it does it one more time. And then I'm going to get mad. And and then the thing is, it works because Barney goes outside. uh, And there's Ernest, who is taunting him. He's like, catch me! I'm the the gingerbread man! He's basically (laughs) doing the, like... I hate hate even making this reference, but he basically is doing the... uh, the greased up deaf guy from Family Guy. Yeah, like, you can't come and get me. And for the this is probably like for the first time I was sitting there like Barney's gonna intentionally shoot this guy. Yeah, this multiple times through this I'm like this is going to be an intentional shooting situation. Yeah, uh, like I meant it to be a warning shot, Eddie. No, I didn't. Go with it. Oh no, what happened? I told. <laughs> was irresponsible to let me have a gun i have a slippery trigger finger it wasn't slippery i did this <laughs> deliberately let him bleed out uh, anyway they we've do been manage- building up this cover story for years it's finally paying off <laughs> anyway so they do get, they do manage to grab uh uh Ernest because andy jumps out from i guess floyd's like barbershop or whatever just jumps out and grabs him they put him in a cell and he's literally like climbing the cells and just like hooting and hollering i'm surprised he's not throwing poop like uh he's like the tasmanian fucking devil just like bounce he's like jumping off like the bars and like screaming and shit and And he's just freaking out anyway uh the next day so he's in jail the next day we go back to the diner, and oh my god, we gotta talk about this fucking tip again. <laughs> it's so we talk good. about this goddamn quarter, which is just such... We couldn't leave that narrative thread unpulled. It's just like, again, it's the thing that's really great from this season so far, of just like, casual conversation. Just like, hey, what did you eat for dinner? Broccoli. Oh, that's good. What did you pair it with? Corn. All right. End scene. Like, oh, we, we did it, everybody. Wait till the next episode. It's literally nothing but that. Yeah, fuck. Uh, and uh, so, I don't even want to fucking do this. Yes, they, they do a bit with the with the tip. Barney's like, no, don't worry. That tip was for you. He orders he orders a very large breakfast after saying he wasn't hungry. And then uh, the man next to him has a big old newspaper. And he closes the newspaper. And it's Ernest T. Bass! <laughs> it's pretty great. And then Barney pulls a gun on him in the middle of the restaurant. And he's like, sorry, everybody. I'm just waving a gun around. I'm just going to escalate the situation wildly. It's the only time I think Barney's ever apologized for pulling his gun out. Like, you know that this is the fourth time this week he's pulled it out in the uh, in the diner. I'm sure that, like, one day he was just like, ah, you know what? This ketchup is not really coming out of the bottle. Let's go. <laughs> click, click. Oh, you got a loose nail there. Blam, blam, blam! Alright, it's fixed. Just, or just like the toaster goes off too loud and he just fires on it. Uh, you you made a mistake there, Dan. It would only be blam. Because remember, he's only got the one bullet. That's true. Anyway, so he he drags Ernest T at gunpoint back to the jail. Locks him in there. Calls Andy. He's like, did you let him out? And he's like, of course I didn't fucking let him out. Ask the boom mic above you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> 
there's a boom there's the weird thing is there's a boom in the shot in both of the scenes but it's in the exact same place so they fucked up symmetrically <laughs> it's so weird barney brings him back into the jail uh barney pulls a gun puts him back in the jail calls andy leaves to go get andy he they, he goes picks him up in the car brings him back and they're like he'll definitely still be here like there's no way he got out now to take a big old sip of my coffee and then go like goes back in he's fucking gone they discuss like where the key was they didn't leave it on the ring they were very careful to lock it up um yeah i was gonna say like a, a, a prisoner getting out of the Mayberry jail is not that unusual. They literally leave the key in arm's reach, but they were like, we didn't do that this time. Yeah, and he's like, did you do the thing? And he's like, not this time, no! Yet another yet another Batman similarity. Despite all precedent, no, I didn't do the thing. It's crazy. This is the one time it seems like I would have. So uh, they're like, all right, we need to go out and, and find him. And then they just kind of wander aimlessly around the town for a while. Yeah. Um, just Question kind of, mark amount of time? Just like looking at walls and just being like, well, that's not him. That's just a brick wall. Do you want to go look on at some stairs? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> no. Nope. No, not on just these. Some stairs. All right. <sighs> Man, police work is hard. Do you want to go look at, like, a tree and see if he's in the tree? Maybe let's do that. I don't know. Do you want to Do you want to just go, like, kick a pile of rocks and see if that does anything? Are we... It's basically like a point-and-click adventure. <laughs> like, let's... I'm going to click... I, I have a coconut in my inventory. Do you want to try rubbing it on Use this door? coconut. <laughs> no, that's not doing anything. <laughs> Uh, so then Ernest is just like, I'm bored with the way this episode is progressing. Hello! I'm back. You're losing narrative momentum. Tee-hee! Woo! Is, is this the part with the window being carried? Yeah. Think, okay, so this I actually really loved this bit. They see two guys carrying a window as if, like, a car chase is about to come through and just smash through it. Yeah. But these two guys are carrying a new window down the street. Again, like a Batman trap, and he's like, there's no way he'll be able to resist. Hmm, the second National Bank <laughs> being opened on February 2nd? Hmm, seems like the perfect place for Two-Face to show up. <laughs> he's basically, oh, he won't be able to resist that. His window lust is going to be out of control. Look at that sexy window. And then they just kind of like... You <laughs> They, they're they like, let's follow it. And then they get in a car. And they follow a window in a car. Like, absolute jackasses. They just, they just follow two guys who are walking slowly down the sidewalk in a car. Just... <laughs> I really appreciate that they weren't like, hey guys, holding the window. Heads up, some weird shit's about to happen to you. Someone's gonna throw a rock very close to your bodies. Just a quick heads up. <laughs> we'll and, be here in the car and of course Ernesty. it works Ernesty bass pops out and andy or barney pops out and puts himself in between the window pane and uh Ernest. and Ernest is holding a rock just like threateningly and yeah the the guys holding the window did not ask for this they're just like ah oh, come on <laughs> And then across the street, there's, like, a dude who's got a fruit stand. He's just like, you think you got problems? 
every time the movie bullet happens, I'm absolutely fucked. So- and I, I, I did laugh at this because uh, there's a good bit where Barney is screaming, you're not going to break this window. I'm going to break it. You're not going to break it. I'm going to break it. And then Barney like, like, like swings backwards. And of course he breaks the window with the back of his hand, uh, like puts his, his gun and his hand straight through the window. Because he just has like a seizure. Yeah, just, like, I don't. The window is behind him. I don't know how this happens. But as is, someone that breaks a lot of things while gesticulating wildly, I can kind of get that. That is pretty common for me to be like, just like get really into something and then absolutely demolish an entire like china shop. So I, I do get that. Uh, so he he smashes it and. That this is one of the few times the Andy Griffith show has gotten an actual laugh out loud from me. Like I, I, I laughed pretty hard at it. Uh, credit where credit is due. Andy takes Barney's gun away, and then they chase after Ernest T again, who runs into the courthouse and locks himself up again because I think he's bored with the story. <laughs> he's like, "You guys are absolutely eating shit at this. I'm gonna give you a layup here, and you, and I still have the upper hand because I'm gonna get out of here." I'm just doing yeah. this to mock you at this point. Yeah, he's a super villain. Yeah. Okay, so this is the best part of the episode, because you're probably wondering, well, how does Andy finally defeat his nemesis, Ernesty Bass? And the answer is, he doesn't. By giving him everything he wants. It's like if an episode of Batman ended with him just being like, Joker, I can't with you today. I'm just... <laughs> I'm done. What do you want? What can I just give you? It's late. I'm tired. Alfred has dinner for me. Just what? what you, I'm giving okay. you a pass on this one. Do you want the money? What do you want? I, I understand that some men just want to watch the world burn. Would 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 you settle for like a couple of neighborhoods? Just, like just tell you what, you just go ahead and burn like the West Gotham. Just, just light it on fire, Pud. It's, it's all you. I'll see you tomorrow, man. Like, you, you're lucky. Batman's knee is acting up. I'm calling this one. I can't with this. I'm done. It's been such a oh long my day. God. Like you got me, Joker. You won this you win. one. You win. You win. You get it. I'm proud of it. I'm proud of you. Honestly, just take the trophy that you wanted and just get the fuck oh, out of man. here. Call me later. <laughs> just like and Ernest is basically like I didn't want to join the because they're basically like dude you'd be fucking miserable in the military you'd just be doing this the entire time and he's like oh no I just wanted the the uniform because uh no women like me even though I'm fucking awesome and uh they're all really into this one guy who has a uniform and charisma and listens to when they talk and <laughs> And if I had the uniform, they would probably wait slightly longer before calling 911 when I show up on their property. Like, and Andy's just like, okay, let's just do that. And Ernest is like, what? No, we're not. You're supposed to foil me. And he's like, no, I'm going to give you, I'll do you one better. You want a military uniform? You can't abuse that. Here's a police uniform, deranged lunatic. Here, take one literally off my deputy. Here you and, go. Why don't you go? Uh, why don't you go ahead and literally impersonate an officer? Yeah. Go, please, please. I'm going to help you commit this felony. And 
like and he just runs off and he's and he's like whoa i'm a police officer these will have consequences yeah and as they're closing the door i'm assuming he's just like you take stop and frisk hey, come over here i'm a gropia <laughs> like like it's the worst resolution to literally anything <laughs> like and end of episode. Yeah, the end of the episode is like Barney's just like standing in like a like a raincoat or whatever because now he's naked. <laughs> did like, he not? Did he not have another uniform? It's like, it's like if I went into a, a salary negotiation and was like, "Listen, I'm going to write a figure on this sheet of paper and then slide it over to you." And then they opened it. And it's just like my family. You can have my family. <laughs> like it's just the worst. <laughs> it's so bad um and then it's over and then there's the stinger which is basically barney finds how he thinks that arnis has been doing it which he finds a skeleton key which yeah, looks like, like just like a piece of metal that he's, he's turned he into. said it was a fork he like bent something with a fork yeah but the fork doesn't work they they do you all know where this is going barney closes the door he locks them in the cell he goes to use the skeleton key to get them out it does not work so, like, you can chalk that up to Barney's incompetence, but I, I, I think based on our example size of one, we know that that fork wasn't it. That fork didn't work. That fork was not how he was getting out. How he was escaping the jail is still left unanswered at the end of this. Yeah. Like, he's fucking Hannibal. Like, <laughs> it's so good. Like, yeah, maybe Ernest T. Bass is magic. Whatever he is. He's the devil and a pure force of nature. If he wasn't the worst, he would be the best. Like, it's kind of the thing is, remember how, like, Otis was introduced and we were like, oh, Otis rules. He's awesome. I sure do wish that his first line wasn't how awesome it is to beat your wife. Like, (laughs) it's like that where I'm like, oh, Ernest kind of rules. I wish he wasn't the goddamn devil. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's the pits. Um, you want to rate this episode? Yeah. So, um, Andy Meter. Oh, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm kind of stumped, actually. Because I, I, I think I like this episode. I think it's like, a 10 and a 10. I think it's a 10-10. I'm not going to give it a 10. It's it's uh, not, it's not. The episode isn't that good. There There is still that shitty bit about the, the tip that goes on yeah. forever. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not willing to hand it a 10. But I'll give it a, I'll give it a 7. It's yeah, I'll give it like a seven. It's accidentally avant-garde storytelling where it's like sometimes the hero does not win. Sometimes you must compromise with evil. This is the way of the world. <laughs> for Andy Meter, uh, I'm gonna give it a seven. Uh, for Barney Meter, the meter of like how much damage did this episode do? I don't know how to rank that either. Honestly, I don't. In terms of. because again it's not just like moral grossness like we decided we can't just rank it on that it also means like lasting damage to society uh and in that case like very little honestly a thing with lasting damage to society is happening off frame like they were like that's true that's basically we we, we have to give it like an eight for vietnam Like, yeah, like, like they invoke a ten, but then the camera pans away, and you just know that the ten is happening over there. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> I I think that's just what we have to do for like the duration of the Vietnam War in these episodes is just like all right so normally it would this would be a 5 but you do have to remember that Vietnam was happening actually we have to track when No Henry- dude I'm sorry man you you can't allow that because if you took points away from any television where there was show where a war was happening just off frame <laughs> We would have to take points away from every American television show. We are why? Why doesn't Parks and Rec ever mention the Iraq War? <laughs> we should. We should at least do a bump up on the episode that happens when they're bombing Cambodia. Like, like, just be like, now this was a pretty innocent episode. This is about a two, but Henry Kissinger was committing war crimes at this exact air date. So we are going to make it a ten on principle. Let me just go ahead and figure out which uh, which episode airs closest to the Kennedy assassination, real quick. <laughs> uh, I think we did that on a previous one where it was like it was like this is a fun episode where like there's the Bay a of mid- Pigs was happening. <laughs> yes, this is like this, it was like a fun one. It was like oh, there's a misunderstanding about laundry. Kennedy was going to be shot in three days. Like. Oh, we did do our, but yeah, no, Barney meters, I don't know, scales broken, five, fucking whatever. Six, six, whatever. Yeah. All right, so the next episode is, I don't even know how this is television. Yeah. Like, look, we've we've talked a lot about how uh, television was slower in the 60s because it hadn't quite figured out what it could be yet. Um, and we've talked a little bit about pacing and things, and, and most of the time we're actually like, it kind of rules. It rules that you can show Columbo, like, dialing a phone for four minutes no 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 this is this episode is a fucking master class in nothing happening it's incredible it's i would argue not an episode of television i would argue not a story it does not it does not have a rising action it does not have a falling action it does not have an idea or a point or a thesis it has nothing it is anti-television it is a series of events that loosely relate to the other events and is punctuated by the like the the saddest little fart of a punchline that i have ever seen like just like honestly it's like if you had a machine that like created television shows and you pulled the lever this one just came out going like kill me god every second is agony my lungs are where my stomach should be ah! like it's just a, 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 a seething mass on the floor that we just pick through with a stick I, i'm gonna go ahead and, and introduce the episode and then i'm gonna say what what i'm gonna say here we're talking about season four episode four the sermon for today which originally airs October 21st, 1963, written by John Whedon, which explains a lot about his fucking son, yeah. uh, and directed by Dick Crenna. And here is the one-sentence summary from Wikipedia, which squeezes way more blood from this stone than you might think. A visiting preacher encourages the congregation to relax and enjoy life, which is not as easy as they thought, as they frantically rehearse the town's out-of-tune band and try to repla- repair the broken bandstand and worn uniforms. Now, do you notice how the beginning of that sentence and the end of that sentence had fuck all to do with each other? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it, so, okay. It doesn't make that much sense in the episode either. And let me let me go ahead and the, the 
other thing about this episode is it's kind of a spiritual sequel to another episode that Dan and I hated, uh, which is Man in a Hurry. Yeah. If you remember, Man in a Hurry is the episode where, like, a man, uh, his car breaks down and it's Sunday, so he can't get it fixed and he's in a big rush and then he learns to slow down and enjoy things this is kind of a spiritual sequel to that uh except number one it basically says fuck you to that episode <laughs> yeah. it takes the exact opposite tact and number two that episode is crank too high voltage compared <laughs> to this one okay. holy shit <laughs> okay so the anatomy of this episode is there's a scene at a church where everyone is falling asleep and then after that, after that, um, some people say, hey, wouldn't it be cool if a band did a performance in the middle of town? And everyone is like, eh, wouldn't it be bad? And then they fail at it. And that's it, is you fail at a thing. The, the characters of the show fail at a task that is so uninteresting that not even the characters in the show give a shit. They're like, because someone's like, would we like it if we did a show? And everyone was like, no one would hate it, I think. There are no stakes to this. They're, they're like, at the end, they're like, should we give up on this thing? And everyone's like, yeah, I didn't really want to do this anyway. And they're like, okay, it's over. We're not doing it anymore. Did anyone learn anything? No, I learned negative stuff. All right, great. Um, well, we're all closer to death, including you, the audience. So... Um, did anyone else? Yeah. And so it opens up with Annie and Opie are on the porch. They are reading the Sunday comics. They are talking about Little Orphan Annie. And I was like, ooh, I'm going to get to talk about newspaper comics again. It's my favorite thing in the world to talk about. Nothing happens. They just read Little Orphan Annie and then they talk about Little Orphan Annie. And that's it. It's. Like, it, Andy is reading the newspaper comics to his son, which, how's your childhood going, Opie? Seems pretty dog shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what the fun part of comics is? Not looking at them. I go to comics for, like, just the raw story, just the plot. Just give me that shit. I want to, like, everything in Rose's Rose, I need that, that <laughs> fucking... I like every week. I'm like, what the fuck happened in this episode? This, Is Garfield this gonna get his lasagna or what? Oh my god, white knuckle thrill ride about whether or not Heathcliff is gonna eat that fish. <laughs> like fucking, and, like and this I is. I mean, how- there, there there are a number of comic strips that I do read because of the story. But all right, uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I know there's actually good ones, but it's not these. A little orphan Annie would probably be one of them. Let's let's go ahead. <sighs> Aunt B comes out. And she says, uh, like, hey, what are you doing? We have to get ready for church. We have to go go, go look nice for this guest preacher. And Andy's a little cranky. Yeah. Andy's like, I don't care much for this guest preacher from New York City. He says everybody just wants to see him because he's from New York. And he puts, like, a surprising amount of venom on it. Yeah, like, he's very unimpressed. And, and uh, Ampy's like, no, everyone wants to see him because... He, he wrote a very famous book, and our preacher invited him to come. <laughs> and, like, and like at first I'm, I'm thinking, like, oh, okay, I see what's going to happen here. And I start writing the season one episode in my head. Like, okay, this New York preacher is going to, like, sell them on some MLM shit. And yeah. Aunt Bart, Andy's going to be the only one who sees through it. And he's going to have to prove that this preacher from out of town is a fraud. Yeah. Nope. No. no. 
No. Uh, all that happens is that eventually, after a couple of scenes of two women, two old women talking about whether or not they should wear earrings to church, which goes on for a while, uh, uh, then... they eventually get to church and Andy goes, oh, okay. Like, no, no follow up on that yeah. at all. And then you are prompted. The, the preacher gives a speech and it's a dull speech. It's just about how people should slow down and chill more. And every... <laughs> a sermon that does not mention God, yeah, or Jesus, or Muhammad, or any kind. Of... It's not a sermon. He basically go- gets up in front of the congregation and talks about how I don't know kids go too fast on their fucking scooters these days. I, <laughs> which was always the worst part of church when the when the priest was like, I, and you know what? Let, let's take a break from Jesus. I have something stuck in my craw that I want to talk to you people about. Have you guys noticed Game Boys and all the kids have them all the time? And we were always just like, fuck. I'm always a big fan of that move that preachers uh, say where like, I was reminded of a young man who approached me and asked me a question. Hey, preacher, what was the man's name? What was his name? (laughs) What? The the, the young boy, the, the boy who approached you, what was his name? Like, what was, where was he coming from? Where were you? <laughs> Seem, seems like you're kind of uh, kind of weak on details on this story here, preacher. <laughs> or, Almost like it didn't fucking happen. Just, yeah. Like, I, I, like, even as a kid, I was sitting there, I was like, listen, we are here because you know more stuff about God than us. I have all of the opinions that you are saying right now, probably. Like, <laughs> I have heard them all. I will go watch Andy fucking Rooney. Tell me about the stuff that happened in the Bible. That is why I am fucking here. Like, it's so dumb. Fuck, but, okay, he's doing this. And then what you are then treated to is a conservative eight minutes of dudes falling asleep. You watch- Why? Why are they not interested in this? This should be their fucking bread and butter. Yeah. They should all have fucking hard on for this. Like, yeah, you're right. Other people, you know, people do move too quickly these days. Everyone should, you know, chill out and act like, uh, act like they're in a small town listening to the town band. Like, this is your fucking thesis statement. Why is everybody upset by this? I think it's more because they're like, yeah, we know, man. We wrote that fucking book. (laughs) Which, like, but the thing that was killing me is I was like, I was sitting there. I was like, like, all right, you think Don Knotts is funny. He's a great entertainer. You watch him do, like, tumbles and gesticulate wildly. Do you want to watch his eyes flutter as he slowly drifts off to sleep. Do you want to watch that? Do you want to stare Don Knotts in the face as he slowly ceases to be conscious? Because that's your next two and a half minutes of your fucking life, bud. The Do only you... one who even makes a remotely funny falling asleep face is Jim Neighbors as Gomer. Yeah. It's not even really like that. It's yeah, it's you... so weird. It's so weird. Like, oh, don't forget we get a whole like half a hymn. Like they're Ooh. all singing. And like... The only thing that gets close to a joke is that Barney can't quite see the hymn book because Andy is hogging it. Like, you'd think that, like, Barney's going to make... We commented, like, the Barney is a little loud in, in the sound, in the song. Yeah. He's not off-key. No. He's not singing badly. He's just slightly loud. And, like, any any modern... Ch- like, falling asleep in church bits, they're a fucking classic. But normally it's like a dude is power-snoring. Or some shit like that. Or, like, trying to hide that he's falling asleep. And they're just, like, nodding off a little bit. Yeah, G- Gomer nods off a little bit and then wakes up immediately. Dog shit. Oh, um, my God. So, it's, well, 
while they're talk listening to this incredibly boring I'm not calling it a sermon because there was nothing religious about it. it and again, I just really can't emphasize this enough. No jokes. It is there is not he does not do a bit. He does not say something stupid that we laugh at as the audience. He says an opinion, you listen to him say an opinion, and then the episode moves on. Like So they they all go there is a a kind of a joke, something resembling a joke where Barney says, "Yeah, you uh yeah, great, great conversation, great sermon, preacher. Can't get enough of when you talk about sin. Yeah, I guess. Which you know what? Honestly, I'm 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 with Barney on this one. On any other given day, he could probably have fucking guessed that the sermon was about sin, and he would have like at least a one in four chance of being right. They're in the uh, south. That's like a ninety-five percent chance. That's a layup guess. Yeah, no, it's not his fault that this dude apparently is not actually preaching. No. Like, I would be uh, so pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Fucking, okay, so... They they, 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 re- they refer to him as doctor. Like, doctor of what? Yeah. Like, I understand that you can, you can be a doctor preacher, like Dr. Martin Luther King, but this dude was like a doctor of, I don't know, uh, foot surgery, orthopedic surgery. Like, what? It's it's one of those things where it's just like, oh, well, I was a doctor and then I marveled at the human form and I decided to become a preacher. I looked at the human eye and realized that it's a masterpiece and therefore God. No, no, that would be interesting. Like, yeah. That would at least be a point. Anyway, they the next scene is Barney and Andy sitting on their front porch. And I'm going to play the clip here because I need you to know how long these fucking two talk about maybe going to get ice cream. That was television. <laughs> and then, and then, Aunt B, a character of zero personality, hears Andy say, we're going to go run out to the store. And Aunt B, of course, being taken immediately by this older man who she probably wants to bone. Uh, like, that's really it, right? Please, Aunt B, put Aunt, Aunt B is horny storyline into this episode. I'm begging you. I Tears in my eyes. I will kill for, the, for Aunt B to want to fuck this preacher. Aunt B, like, is kind of the driving force behind this because she will listen to anything 
that a man above the age of 40 with a bass baritone voice says and will take it to heart because Aunt B is horny. Yeah. Uh, so she's like, oh, look at you. Listen to you. You're saying you're going to go run out to the store? Oh, just what the preacher was saying. Everyone here always doesn't know how to relax. Hmm. Lady, but, the store closes. Yeah. Like, you do have some sense of a timeline if you want this thing. If you want ice cream, you do have to get it within some time frame. It's a miracle that the store is even open. It's Sunday. Okay, and then, like, the, so you have you have set up. You have, you have a setup, and then they're just like, they just take that setup and they Hot Wheels ramp off of it into the the, the plot line of a different setup. Yeah. They're just like, fuck this setup. They're trying to arrange a concert. Like, it's like, you know this super relaxing thing? We just learned that we should chill. Let's try to arrange a band performance in the middle of town. Yeah, I mean, and, and that is the joke, right? They're, they're all sitting there, like... And it's because the preacher mentioned how calming it was. Don't you remember those good old days where we'd all listen to the town band and all be relaxing? And we're all just like, what, what fucking good old... Do you mean World War Two? <laughs> what What are you fucking talking about? And it's, it's, it's just so rich coming from this fucking show. Yeah. Right? That of course it's just like a bunch of people reminiscing about what the the Great Fucking Depression. Yeah. What are, what are you on about, my god? Oh, the good old days when when Wall Street bankers would jump out of buildings to their death. With the ta- the times when actually you had I'm fine a- with that. Like yeah, the, the, those good old <laughs> the good old <laughs> leave that in. The good old days when the town band played in the center because there was literally nothing else keeping you alive. When like like you had to go listen to the town band in the center of town because you had nothing. You had nothing because it was the Great Fucking Depression. And and, and literally the the impetus for this is Gomer comes over and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna run over to my cousin's house and watch him wash his car." Yeah, I cannot think of a more lazy. <laughs> scenario more relaxing scenario than spending a sunday afternoon watching someone else do a chore i would actually love to watch a guy wash a car that sounds great i might look that up on youtube after this um that sounds oh, awesome especially if he has like a power sprayer you ever watch like, videos of presser washers those are so fucking satisfying yeah anyway so but because gomer used the word run i'm gonna run over Again, Aunt B, look at you. You're going to run over. There's that word again. And someone's got to be like, Aunt B, it's a fucking figure of speech. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There's not many words for doing things. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So uh, do we have to go through like each beat by beat thing that happens? I mean, because I didn't I, take I, notes down. No, I mean, I would just like to point out just like how many times throughout this episode i was like oh i know what's gonna happen here and then it just didn't happen anyway they sit around and this is the joke they sit around and they go this is just like wasn't it nice when we had a town band and no like it's yeah. canon that the town band is dog shit it was yeah. so bad that the mayor didn't want to give you money anymore it was like, like forcibly disbanded at gunpoint like a, a state ordinance was declared to keep you guys from assembling and playing music and then, and then they decide for no reason. Like, I want to be clear here. Nobody is making these characters do anything. 
they all decide that they need to have a band concert tonight. And there are no, there's no stakes. There's no band director coming in from out of town. Like nothing bad will happen if they don't do this or if they do this tomorrow. There is no reason for them to decide suddenly that they need a band concert tonight. But they do. And they say, okay, well, what can we do? And let's go ahead. We're going to have to build up the uh, bandstand. We're going to have to clean up the uniform. They're basically doing, they suddenly jump into a Muppet show episode. Yeah. <laughs> like they basically jump into the Muppet show. But again, the Muppets always had a reason why things were going wrong and a reason why they had like time. Somebody was coming to shut the theater down or whatever. Nothing. Okay. Nothing here. The following action is broken into three separate set pieces. One, they're building a stage. Two, they're doing a band rehearsal. Three, they're trying to build the uniforms. And all of those things Clean the uniforms, like fix them up. Yeah. Yeah, like Uh, like repair them, tailor them. So a normal, good, serviceable episode of television would be like, well, all of those things are going to go poorly for funny reasons. And building the stage goes poorly because they don't have the right tools. The band rehearsal goes poorly because they all suck. And the uniforms go poorly because they're 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 too they're bad tr- to fix. Yeah, they weren't stored right, and they got mildew. Hilarious mildew. It's not a wacky. It's not antics. It's not like a a farce. It's just like they try to do things. It does not work, and everybody yells at each other. The worst. The worst example is definitely Barney and Gomer trying to fix the bandstand because. These are your two comic relief characters. You put them together and funny things are supposed to happen. And instead what happens is Barney says, you should go underneath the bandstand so you can prop it up. Gomer says, it's really dark under there and damp. Maybe there's spiders. And Barney goes, there aren't going to be any spiders. And Gomer says, I'm sure there's spiders. That's where I'd go. And they just, they say the word spiders back and forth roughly 10 times. And again, in my brain, I'm like, okay, I see what's going to happen here. Gomer's going to go under there and he's going to come out and there's going to be like a big spider on his forehead or there's going to be a bunch of spiders that run out or whatever. Instead, Barney yells, Gomer, get under there and and go fix it. And Gomer does. And then they cut to something else. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. It's they don't actually do. And then they come back and Barney and Gomer like. Like, at the end of the episode, Barney and Gomer come back and they're like, man, the stage blew up. We had crazy things happen underneath the stage. There was bickering. A hammer was swung around. A, a big piece of wood exploded. I sure wish you guys had been filming that. But instead, <laughs> you were over there watching two old women bitch at each other. <laughs> and and the thing is, right, so the two old women are, are fighting over the uniforms. And Clara's there. Clara pretty definitively the worst character at this point and claire is just saying like i told you this wouldn't work and aunt b goes i, I knew it w- i didn't think it was going to and aunt claire says i this wasn't my fault and aunt b says i didn't say it was your fault and it's just that it, it, it it's not like the fight escalates it's not like they ever get into each other they just kind of snipe animosity but like, it, it, it doesn't go anywhere no and then and then Andy is trying to lead the band, and the band is bad. Like, it's not even funny bad. It's just, it's which is weird, right? Because they've done funny bad before. But this is just like everyone's a little off. It's just, 
everyone's on a slightly different tempo, which is not funny. Mm-hmm. Like, so, and then these three unfunny things collide into a, what's the inverse of a cacophony? <laughs> There's a pile of wet leaves. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> just every, an, an old janitor named Gus just kind of takes all of the parts of this episode and then just like sweeps them together and then just goes, well, I better be going later, everybody. This whole episode, this episode's a fucking compost bin. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. And then everybody just kind of stands together and just goes, well, this sucks. What, do you want? Do you guys want to go hang out on a porch? Yeah, and and that's it. <laughs> the episode basically ends with them going like, "Well, this didn't work," and and it's so, it's so funny. It's it's just in, in any other scenario, I would think this was hilarious. In any other scenario, if if the protagonist just kind of said, "This sucks," and bailed, <laughs> yeah, like it in the middle, so... it, it, it it'd be great if there was like one person, probably Andy, who was just like, "Come on, guys, let's." Let's pull together and band together and we can really pull this off and do and everyone was like, nah, this sucks. Let's go do something else. It would be so funny. Honestly, so- I I want like a serious show to do that. Like I want to do it I want it there to be a, an episode of Law and Order SVU where they're just like, you know what? This sucks. Do you want to stop? Do you want to just like go? Just 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 drop, I- the, just drop the charges on this guy. This is too hard. I've said so many gross things today, and I hated it. Do you want to just leave? <laughs> Let's just go. Let's just bail. We don't have to do this. Goodbye. <laughs> like, honestly, both of these, both of these shows have, like, non-endings. That would be great in any other show. If just, like, if just partway through the episode, if just on Miami Vice, they were just like, you know what? Deal that cocaine. Whatever. You know what, Salazar? You've worn me out. Go do your thing. Fuck you know, this. You, you, you know, you know it's, it's the mark of a good podcast when we bring back. It's a callback to that joke that we let go on way too long 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, it's just. And it's, it's not like, even a callback. It's the same joke again. It's these two episodes both have great moments of anti-comedy. And. <laughs> dog shit episodes like they and uh, so now everyone's just kind of crapped out they're like this this sucks and they're just hanging out back on andy's porch they never did get that fucking ice cream no Uh, and uh finally the preacher the visiting preacher comes back and he's like oh hello i'm sorry i won't be able to join you all for dinner but that's fine look at all of you you're relaxing as if you had just uh just heard a band concert what what yeah and then i don't know gomer says something but i was yelling at the screen at this point i wasn't paying attention and he's just like well i wish i could stay but i'm in a big hurry like that's the whole thing is like oh he's a hypocrite i don't know like it's just like it's they think it's this fucking haymaker and it's just like this little limp-wristed like tap like it's nothing you could just do this. I think we've we've marveled at this, but like, I God, I wish I was a TV writer in the '60s. It's it's just the peak of human existence was to just be a '60s TV writer. Someone would be like, like, sir, we need the notes for this episode. We're gonna film in twenty minutes. You just be like scribble on a cocktail napkin, ball it up, throw it at the intern's head, go home. This was John Whedon's doing, 
If it was Fritzel and Greenbaum who wrote this, I would think it was almost sarcastic. I feel yeah. like it was almost him going, is this what you fucking want? Is this what you people enjoy? Is this? But, it, but it was John Whedon who, by the way, the last time we saw John Whedon, it was with that episode with the old-timey snake oil salesman. Yeah. I, I did the math on this one time, right? John Whedon was born in 1905. Yeah. So he's already like 60 years old when he's writing these episodes. So, like, he's already the old man of the Andy Griffith Show writing staff. Yeah. So, of course, all of his episodes are the ones that are reminiscent of what the fuck ever. Reminiscent of, of garbage. I don't, I don't even understand this. I, John Whedon might be the worst writer on this show. I think one of the worst writers I've ever seen do anything, really. Like, he's absolute dog shit. Like, and and you know what? Like, I, ah, shit, I was going to make a joke about holding uh, Joss Whedon accountable for it, but no, probably <laughs> not a good time. I mean. Or, or or a great time. We could just pile this on. Just, just add it, just add it onto his, his ledger there. Just kind of like pop in and just be like, listen, this is not important in the grand scheme of things, but we just kind of want to add the coal onto the fire that your dad was a dog shit writer. Like, like, like we don't want to, it's not more important than anything. It's probably the least important thing that sucks about you, but you come from dog shit. So ratings for this episode. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> I ampersand <laughs> on I what I, I I is an imaginary number. I have to use imaginary numbers to give this a rating. So I'm giving this a rating of I, which if I remember algebra two correctly is the square root of negative one. Uh, I have to give this a rating of I because it is anti television. I cannot judge it the same way that I would judge television. Even this show. I... My rating is that Buffy the Vampire Slayer is not a good show anymore. It's over. This is, this episode is so bad that it just wiped out all of, like, everything with the Whedon name is burned down to the fucking root. So that's it. This is going to be fun to edit. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we, we, we good? We done? I think... Um, I think both of our ratings to both Barney Meter and Andy Meter for this episode are fuck you. Yeah. God. Life is finite. One day I will die. And you took this time from me. Yeah. Give me my life back. What What are we doing here? I, I demand restorations from the Griffith estate for what you just did to me. Okay. Uh, all right. So that's that's where we're at here. This episode went some places. Yeah. I, I I kind of feel like I should just do no editing and just let this be like a long day's journey into night kind of thing. <laughs> I think um the Patreon get like just the uncut edition. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Uh so that that's a uh that's as good a plug as any, right? If you want the uncut edition of this episode, we cut a lot. I we're recording and I haven't cut anything, but I'm gonna cut a lot. Yeah. <laughs> We're, uh, we're at an hour 40 this is gonna be a clean hour 20 yeah. <laughs> of stuff that will get us in trouble like stuff that's going to get me in trouble the if you want the too hot for 
uh, Apple Podcast Edition, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry, where you can get bonus material, <laughs> like deleted Daddy commercial. <laughs> <laughs> bonus material, deleted scenes, uh, and make us watch terrible things and make us yeah. watch uh, episodes, uh, bonus episodes. Uh, those are also all available. Plus, you can get on the uh, Breaking Mayberry Discord and hang out with us. Okay, so there's that. Other places you can find us on the internet. Uh, on Facebook, we are facebook.com slash breaking Mayberry, uh, twitter.com slash break Mayberry. Uh, on Twitter, I am Schneid Remarks. That's S C H N E I D Remarks. I'm at the LUDs, two Ds. We've already failed at our, our New Year's resolution to use the Instagram channel, but uh, Instagram is breaking Mayberry as well. Uh, and that is about it. Our music was made by Max Ludwig, who is on Twitch as Sleep Talkie. And that's pretty much it for this episode. Thanks for sticking with us. As always, give us a rating and review if you want to help us out. I gotta go get a fucking drink. So that's gonna be it. Next time on the show, we'll have special guests and we're doing a haunted house episode. Very spooky. Woo. Until then, we'll see you all down at the fishing hole. Boom, 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 boom,